Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North, New Zealand. Ian, hi. Hi Brent, how are we? I'm all right, brother. I had a good uh, drive down today uh, to Palmerston North from where I live and it's great to be back at King's Grace and great to see you again. Not many people say it's a nice drive to Palmerston North. Oh, it is. It's about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, you look a lot larger on, in real life than you do on Zoom, oh, by the way. Mm. And uh, this time we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we thought we'd try our hands at the first of an occasional series of movie and TV reviews, uh, beginning well, because you alerted me to the BBC Netflix series called Inside Man, which premiered on BBC One back in September last year. Now, Rido, how did you stumble across this? Well, I think it just came up on my kind of uh, suggestions to watch. The, the reason why I was interested in it is because it has at the very centre is a vicar, an English vicar right at the centre of it, uh, and something that he has. So I thought, oh, this kind of sounds interesting. I thought, and I thought, I thought of you, Brent. Actually, he re- the, the character reminds me a little bit of you. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Um, I'll wear that one. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's also a thriller, which is. I mean, it's got two. It's got Christianity and and detectives, both of which are designed to appeal to me. So I I loved it. Yeah. Now it's apparently one of the most watched, or was one of the most watched Netflix series in India. Why? I've got no idea, but it apparently was and is um, has been one of the most watched Netflix programs. Oh, wow. okay. Hmm. And it's the creation of Stephen Moffat. Who is Stephen Moffat, Rito? So he's a uh, is he Scottish? Is that right? He's a Scottish uh, kind of director, and he he did the Sherlock series. He's done a whole bunch of the Doctor Who kind of stuff. Uh, but he's kind of notorious for having great ideas and starting things really well, and then they kind of go downhill. <laughs> kind of at the end of the time. If you've watched, uh, was it Sherlock season four? You'll know what I mean. <laughs> just kind of, it starts off great, but then season four is just not the greatest uh, TV watching. Well, this has had some fairly adverse reviews, hasn't it, from critics? I think too. Well, so I think I think the reviews are kind of similar to that. Hey, good idea, but it, it actually kind of landing is not. Perfect, yeah. I'm actually going to stick up for um, Stephen Moffat and the production team because I was engrossed from the first minute I watched it and I thought this was really quirky and intriguing television. Nothing was as you expected it would be. It's, I mean, I've watched a lot of detective movies and detective thrillers going way, way back and I just thought this breaks the mould. This turns everything upside down. Um, I think I likened it somewhere. It's sort of like a combination of um, uh, Samuel Beckett and uh, and Poirot, it's it's so un- and the scripting is so unusual too. Yeah, and it, I think that that word quirky is kind of quirky, isn't it? And the I think and that's what I find like is the the kind of the quirkiness of an idea. How does this play out? It doesn't always come perfectly together, but it, it is a, a a different take on the t- on the detective kind of story, isn't it? Mm, oh, very much so. And it's a, it's a, a different take on clergy in, in media, although I, I guess you could say it's part of a trend that I've noticed over the last 20 to 30 years of increasingly portraying clergy as bad people in, in media and, and television. Yeah, and you know, the character that David Wenham plays, he's He's kind of a little bit of a caricature. I David found. Tennant, do you mean? Tennant, not Wenham. Yeah, David Tennant. <laughs> I, th- I thought beforehand, not, it's not David Wenham. He's an Australian actor. Uh, yeah, David Tennant. He's yeah, kind of a, he's a little bit of a caricature, yeah, kind of, of what you would expect of an English vicar. 
Well, I thought he was utterly unlike any... Uh, I mean, you and I know a lot of clergy, and I know a lot of clergy in England, and he's not like any... Remotely like any clergyman I've... Well, having said that, there are one or two... He has one or two attributes, which I have seen, unfortunate attributes, uh, but he's not really like any clergy person I know. He's much better looking than, than all the clergy I know. <laughs> he's much better looking, yeah. And I, I, But he's quirky. He's not the sort of... He isn't the sort of character that you'd expect would be a vicar. No, you're right. Yeah, and I think that's part. I think they've crafted him deliberately like that and written him. He's he's an upside down vicar, isn't he? Yeah, and that that kind of becomes his downfall in the end. Very much so. Yes. Now, why is it called Inside Man? Do you think? Uh, well, I, I would assume it's because uh, Stanley Tucci's. That's how you say his name, is it? Stanley Tucci, who we must say is the other. Well, it's an ensemble cast, but he's the other lead, isn't he? Yeah. And the two of these characters, Harry and. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the the Stanley Tucci character, Jefferson. Jefferson. Jefferson Grief. He's called. Um, yeah, he, he, Harry and Jefferson are definitely more similar than you would think. Yeah, and it's called Inside Man because he's in jail for murdering his wife, and nobody knows why, and he won't reveal why he murdered his wife. And so the whole thing is that he was a psychologist or he was a detective. I think he's a psychologist or something like that. He, he was a, a professor of psychology, wasn't he? I think so. And, or criminology. Yeah, I crimi think he was criminology. And he yeah. takes on, he's on death row, and he takes on interesting cases. So the warden comes and, and people want to meet with him and he'll only take on the most interesting cases. Uh, and so that's why it's inside man because he's on the inside in jail. And he's very controlling, isn't he? Both the main characters, Harry and Jefferson, are very controlling people. They're almost godlike, although they try to be godlike, I think. They're um, kind of like a cult figure, you know, kind of, mm. you know, how that people kind of come to them. And Jefferson, you know, Stanley Tucci, he plays it so well. He's the kind of person where you walk away and go, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> you know, kind of, and you might see him in another a movie or something like that, and you just, I don't like that actor anymore because, because they play their person so well. They're so convincing in what they do. But you're right that he kind of feels like, it's almost like a Sherlock Holmes figure, but kind of in a really, really arrogant kind of way, I find. Well, yes, and, and unlike uh, Sherlock Holmes, really uh, twisted. I think he's a very twisted, as I say, Samuel Beckett type, almost Samuel Beckett type. So much of Inside Man is set either behind bars in a prison or in other enclosed spaces. I mean, you know, you've got the people locked in the cellar. Uh, spoiler alert. Yes, people do get locked in the vicar's cellar. Shock, shock, horror. And the vicar's study is another enclosed space. The prison, it's very, the whole feel of it is grey and enclosed and... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Insular. Well, and it kind of becomes more and more enclosed kind of as the movie goes, as the show goes on, because I wonder if it's, the you know, kind of particularly the Vickers world is shutting down, mm. you know, kind of it's closing in on itself. Mm. Yes, could be. But it, and it even, even when, it, I think it starts, doesn't it start on a, a tube, a London tube? So you immediately get the sense of claustrophobia, of threat within a very confined space. And the whole show really... Um, it's had two series, hasn't it? Or one no, series? One, one just so one far. series, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, Rita, who are the main characters? Shall we go through them? You've got, have, you, have you got them there well, in front of you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you've got Harry, who's the vicar, who is played by David Tennant, who uh, kind of, he's, he's kind of the, the central focus of what's going on. You've got Jefferson Grief, played by Stanley Tucci, who kind of, the, who, who kind of plays the... the uh, kind of criminologist sitting behind the scenes in jail. Um, Janice Fife, who becomes kind of embroiled 
accidentally, isn't it? In, she, in, she's a, she's there. a strange character, Janice. Yeah, you don't quite expect Janice to do, develop the way she does. Dolly Wells is the very fine actress or actor who plays Janice. Did you like her? Uh, I thought the acting I mean, the, was I mean, the, the, the acting is great. I'm not saying... I mean, I mean the, Again, the ca- another... The well, this mathematician. Yeah, another very, math teacher, isn't she? Another very controlling... She turns out to be very controlling. I mean, she even shuts poor old Harry out of his vicar's study so she mm. can teach his son. The, the, there's a lot of weird behaviour in this series. And then we've got... Um, uh, Beth Davenport playing. Uh, is it the, is Beth Davenport the actress playing, or is it the journalist's no, name? She's the journalist. She's yeah. the journalist. Journalist yeah. is Beth. That's right. Played by Lydia West. What about the vicar's wife? Their interactions are really interesting. My, my question was: you never see her at church. You kind of the vicar goes to church, but she doesn't seem to kind of have any faith at all. No, no. It's kind of odd. Did yeah. you find that odd? You know, kind of. Yes, she's not a typical vicar's wife, and not that there is such a thing as a typical vicar's wife, but, yeah, it, it, she's an unusual character. Lindsay Marshall is... Uh, is and then, and then um, uh, there's Casey, uh, the prison warden, played by Dylan Baker. Uh, who else have we got? Oh, we've got the son. The, the vicar's son is Ben, is ben Watling. Yeah. Ben, that's right. That's yeah. the son's name, isn't it? I can't read my own script, Rito. Played by Lewis Oliver. Uh, Mark Quartley is poor old Edgar. Now, he's a bit of a sad character, isn't he? I know. And, and it kind of really the whole thing has started by him, even though it's not, he does, he's not really a central character. It's his sin, really, that kind of brings about the whole situation that, that comes about. Yes, it's really, it's really set up like a Greek tragedy. We're going to talk about this. The whole thing really is set off by this one incident and it just leads almost like a Greek tragedy to this inexorable course of tragic events, you know, and you know it's just going to go. We should mention Tilly Vosper as Edgar's mother, Hilda, and my favourite my favorite character in the whole um, series is Dylan. Dylan Kempton, who is a serial killer, played by played absolutely wonderfully by Atkins Estimond, and Atkins Estimond and Stanley Tucci are fantastic as this sort of I won't say dynamic duo, but they're like a kind of... How would you, how would you describe the two of them? Dysfunctional. <laughs> two, two people locked inside together, working together as a team. Yeah, who, who really should never have been allowed to get together at any point for the safety of anybody. D- Dylan... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Dylan has um, the ability just to remember everything. Oh, that's right. Yes, he's got this photographic memory. So... Um, uh, Stanley Tucci brings him into all the meetings, and Dylan can remember all everything that everybody said forever. Yeah, yeah. Where, and so, you, and you've got the criminologist, you know, kind of, you know, but yeah, but D- but Dylan is a serial killer, mm. yeah, and uh, cannibal as well. I think. I think he is. Yes, and and there's quite a bit of. We should say. I think was this an R sixteen? This um, yes, the rating on. But we have to add that it's there's not a lot of bad language. There's a little bit. Oh. No, and I think it's more the ideas that are being presented because you know, it deals with child pornography, uh, it deals with uh, murder. You don't there's there's no violence. I don't think there's 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 really no violence. There's certainly no sex on screen. No, no. Uh, there's a, there's a little bit of bad language. So you know, if you're um, listening to this as a parent, you might want to do due diligence on it. Um, but we, I mean, I'm pretty sensitive to these things. I don't like on screen violence or a lot of bad language or nudity. And and I, I, I can't say I felt comfortable watching it, but I didn't have a problem with it. You know. Okay, 
in what sense, we've talked a bit about the two main characters, in what sense are they similar characters, Rito, do you think? I think all of the characters in the story are trying to control the situations that they're in. Yeah. Uh, and all in different ways. And so particularly the vicar and Stanley Tritchie's character, Jefferson, they, they're trying to exert control over the situations they find themselves in. So the vicar, uh, by trying to... And this is the thing that comes up and up again. He wants to do good to those around him. And that, that becomes his downfall, is that he wants to do good even with people that his form of good probably needs to... isn't good. It's not good for them or good for anybody. Uh, but then um, Jefferson, he's controlling the situation that he is in and the information that he has... But he's trying to, in some ways, seek atonement. That word atonement comes up quite a bit, doesn't this, it? This really is a program about atonement yeah. and about sin, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's whole, his whole thing is that everyone is capable of doing what I did, which was murdering someone. You just have to be put in the right situation. And so his whole thing is that I deserve to be here and I deserve uh, to face capital punishment uh, and people keep asking him, do you take on these cases to find some atonement? And that, that's a big discussion that kind of happens the whole, mm. the whole way through. Yes, he says a couple of different things. I mean, I've made one quote where Jefferson says, everyone is a murderer, you just have to meet the right person. So similar to um, what you were saying, Rito, the, pre- the whole premise of the series is that we are all, well, while the writers perhaps wouldn't recognise sin in the biblical sense, but they would say that everyone is capable of murder. Uh, you just have to find the right person on the right day. You have to just have the right moment, the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances, and um, and Harry meets those circumstances. Is it a bit fatalistic, do you think, in that It's sense? very fatalistic, like, like Greek tragedies are fatalistic, yeah, very deterministic. Yeah. Okay, Harry, who is... We've talked a bit about the vicar. He, he, he's very rash, Harry, isn't he? He just rushes into things. Did you find that? But at the same time, he is, but at the same time, he keeps talking about this kind of, I couldn't do that. Like, he has this kind of moral kind of code sitting behind him. Oh, we couldn't do that. We couldn't, oh, you know, I, I couldn't murder someone, you know, kind of. But he is rash. He's just kind of, because right at the beginning, when it's all getting set up, um, with the setup that she, the, the lady, um, Janice, she finds, uh, she's given a USB to put something on and finds child pornography on it. Uh, and then... Um, David Tennant's character, he lies, you know, kind of saying, it's not my son's, it's mine, you know, kind of, even though it's neither of them, neither of them, ha- you know, kind of have any connection to it, he's willing to lie for other people. And he does it quite willingly and, and, you know, kind of, rather than saying, okay, let's take a step back here and take a breath. Yes, there is something terrible that you've seen. How do we deal with this in a, in a rational kind of way? I, kind of I had a real problem with his, with his lying and his dishonesty. I yeah. thought that was his undoing and that, that he wasn't prepared to actually... I mean, I mean, I mean I'd love to interview the writers of this, to interview Stephen Moffat and ask him, do you realise, and I'm sure he does, because they, anything like the BBC, they, they have advisors, clergy advisors on and anything like this sort of stuff. There is a protocol that a vicar would have to follow in the Church of England if they encounter things like this, and that it would have to be taken straight to the police or reported. Now, that doesn't ever seem to enter into Harry's consciousness. Because she, I think Janice says right at the beginning, I have to go to the police. Yeah, kind of, we have to go to the Mm, police. Yeah. Mm. Assuming that it's Ben, the son, 
uh, because they've said, oh, here's my USB drive. You know, kind of, it's, kind of, it's, it's one of those circumstances where it's accidental, you know, kind of. But where I think that if they had, you know, kind of, if they had been some rational thought, it's just let's take a step back for a second. What is the procedure that we go through here? And actually, the procedure would have found that, no, this has got nothing to do with the mm. sun. It's got nothing to do with you. You know, kind mm. of, let's, let's sort it out. But it's the lying that's the problem, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's the fact he has, I think, an emotional reaction. And it's this, the fear that it does belong to the sun and that he's, he's lying. He does what he does to cover up, to protect his son. Yeah. That is said over and over and over again as yeah. the rationale for everything that he and his family do. Which is right, because you know, any, anyone <clears throat> that, that gets painted with a hint of that brush, even if it's a total falsity, you can never, it's very difficult to regain, you know, kind of in, in that kind of particularly child pornography or something like that. If someone accuses someone of that, I mean, it's very difficult to come back. So I think it's a, in some sense, it is a true fear, uh, but the way that he's covering up for somebody else at the same time, right? Yes, it's sort of almost guided. And um, I found this was the problem. I mean, you asked me a question, Brent. You said, do you think the story is believable? And I think we should dis discuss that because in some senses, I think it isn't. And in other senses, I think it could be with certain, uh, with some of us on a certain day, it may be believable. I think you had to suspend disbelief and go along with the scriptwriters to accept the chain of events that eventually un—I un, un, was going to say unfollows, that unfolds. I think that um, it is believable on the side of the vicar uh, in terms of I could see that actually happening. Maybe not for a vicar, but for somebody that. Something like that happens, uh, where an accusation is made, or you know, kind of something is discovered accidentally. I could see that happening, but on the other side of the criminology side, particularly Jefferson, I don't find him a believable character. No. <laughs> he's very Samuel Beckett. I think he's brilliantly written. I mean, hats off to Stephen Moffat uh, for writing such an unbelievable character. I mean, the, the and the dialogue is is really it sparkles. In a, in a negative way, <laughs> doesn't it? It just It's very, very, very cleverly, very cleverly written dialogue indeed. Brilliant. How does Harry's character slowly disintegrate through the four episodes? I mean, I think for me, I mean, even before, we don't want to give too much away, but even before we get to the, the fact that he locks poor old Janice in the, in the, in the basement, uh, the scene with, with the poor old Virgil where he's trying to get him to confess, that is just plain spiritual abuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that, that's basically it. It's like he slowly descends. He goes from no, no, no. I, there's no because the, his wife is saying we need to get rid of her. Basic, basically, and he's saying no, we can't do that. I'm, I'm not a murderer. And it slowly descends over the course of the series to become well. We have to do this. There's no other option. Yes, and I think it shows you um, how even somebody who is acutely conscious of the nature of evil, as Harry must be, can easy, can be taken over by evil and find himself cooperating with an evil situation uh, or, or doing an or committing an evil act. Um, do you think the audience is meant to lose sympathy with him? Are we ever meant to have full sympathy with him? At what point do you, did you lose sympathy with Harry? I mean, I lost patience with him fairly early on. <laughs> I, I think, because uh, I, I watched it the whole way through, then I started watching it again uh, recently, but... I lost sympathy with him the first time with the spiritual abuse. That that to me was kind of way way too far. But then when I rewatched it, 
and I just noticed again, um, right from the beginning, just the, the, the way that they deal with porn in general. And so the whole thing is uh, the verger, um, what's the, uh, Edgar. Edgar, Edgar comes in and says, "Can here's my USB, could you take my porn? My mum's going to kill me basically for it. What person, what clergy would say, oh yes, I'll take that for you and hide it for you. It's just kind of like, you know, kind of, I lost my patience, <laughs> you know, kind of my sympathy with him at the end. That's a clear, no, no, no. We are, you know, kind of, if it's on a USB, there's clearly something wrong with it to start with. And I don't, I don't know. What were your, what were your feelings? Yes, yes. I mean, I think, what, what I was going to ask you, what would you have done? Well, I think if that was sprung on me, in the moment, I think it would have been very difficult to, to know what to do. But I think thinking through the situation, it would just be, a, no, no, go away. We're not, we're not doing this. Is there something on there that is serious enough to go to the police? Because if there is, we need to talk about that. This is where I find Harry extremely rash. Yeah. Because, and he doesn't think things through because he just grabs it and says, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, he's trying to do – he does it naively, thinking yeah. he's, he's trying to protect Parole Edgar. But actually um, – and I found his – what did you think about his reaction to Parole Edgar's death? Well, I it was pretty remember. heartless. Yeah, it was heartless. Yeah. It was about him ultimately because he was trying to get something out of Edgar. Yeah. And Edgar did write something, uh, but it kind of implicated him in the problem. It made it, made it even worse. Yeah. We, we have to add, I mean, we're just about run out of time, but we have to add uh, that this is, how complicated did you find the plot? I didn't have trouble following it too much, but people, are, are reviews I read online, folk really struggled with it. Really? I thought it was quite simple. You know, kind of, you know, there was... I wouldn't say, it, was, it wasn't simple. simple. It wasn't no. simple, but I mean, it was easy, easy enough to, like it's... It doesn't rush at you all at once. You know, they take it's over a number of episodes, mm. and they mm. kind of develop it slowly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't saying simple. It's no, 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 no. I know it's easy mean. enough to follow. I, I, I followed it. I, it, it certainly, um, in terms of complication, it would be no more complex than an episode of Falls War. Yeah, uh, and and probably not as complex as an Agatha Christie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so what were your takeaway thoughts? about Inside Man then. Do we want to say anything more about it? I mean, we haven't given too much of the storyline away. It will keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, that's why it's worth watching. Yeah, it's a, It is a gripping watch. But I think uh, watching these types of things, I'm always interested in the nature of humanity. And I think that the premise to it, that um, you know, everyone is a murderer, you just need the right situation, uh, that... That's true. I think I, you know, mm. I think that's that's right, and that would put it under enough pressure, under enough stress, the right situation to happen. I think most of us are capable of doing things that we would not mm. think we were possible of doing. But I, I just think that that's it is the nature of humanity. We need to realise that. And so I think it, it changes. It should kind of change our not not our perspective on people, not in the sense of looking around going. I need to be afraid of everyone, but just understanding our, our own sin and other people's sin, and particularly people that have done some things which are pretty horrible, that we need to accept them as human beings and that understand what they've done and, and you know, we're possible and capable of doing that as well, that our sin is, is you mm -hmm. know, 
potential to be of that scale too. Is it going to have another... Presumably it left you sort of hanging. I, I'm assuming that the writers and the B are going to carry on. To, it's a joint production, isn't it, I think, between Netflix and the BBC. But presumably there's going to be more because it sort of sets, it sets up... It leaves you hanging. Well, you want to know why Jefferson killed his wife. You kind of... What pushed him to that situation? Because, you know, they do talk about their relationship, that it was a loving, caring relationship. But then you do meet uh, his father-in-law who was actually kind of a, a mob boss or something wasn't he mm, mm. oh well no doubt we'll be back hopefully if there's another uh, series um, reviewing that Rido uh, my co-host the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church Palmerston North New Zealand the series from the BBC and Netflix is called Inside Man which you can find on Netflix it is a gripping watch uh, it's certainly not like any thriller I've ever seen and um there we are. And thanks once again to uh, our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Rido, thank you so much. Thanks, Brent. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.